Welcome to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenhouse. We are grateful to WVU, who offers renowned online master's degree programs in marketing communications. And this series is presented by the Reed College of Media as part of their ongoing marketing series. Thank you for joining us today. Ruth, you and I both are big fans of our guest today, Jay Bear, mm. who is wonderful, isn't he? He's a uh, uh, marketing and customer experience expert. He has published six best-selling business books. He's a professional speaker um, and a serial entrepreneur with uh, five multimillion-dollar companies under his belt, which is wow. remarkably impressive, isn't it? It is. So excited to have him. Well, you know, I subscribe to his newsletter, The Bear Facts. <laughs> and <laughs> great, I know you great you name, isn't too, it? Yeah. Isn't it? Um, and in addition to all of his discussion around CX, my favorite parts are his book reviews and his tequila reviews. <laughs> yeah. Inspirational. <laughs> so shall we invite Jay into our podcast today? Indeed. Welcome, Jay. Thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Ruth, Cindy. I really appreciate the kind words and uh, you paying attention to the Bear Facts newsletter. I know uh, WVU is the, the sponsor of the show. If we want to do a whole tequila episode, you know, maybe maybe a, maybe a secondary episode, we'll get WVU to, to, to get behind that. We'll make it happen. That's there a good idea. <laughs> Let's do it's it. funny that you, that you mentioned that. It's actually... Uh, true that, that I'm doing more and more events that combine marketing and customer experience and tequila. In fact, I'm doing a big virtual really? tasting for a large software company on Cinco de Mayo and talking about marketing and CX. And then all the participants are getting tequila shipped to their home. And then we do a whole tequila lesson. So I'm, I'm working very, very hard here uh, to combine my passions into one economic uh, outcome. But <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, and, it. I, and I'm glad that, that CX is part of the tequila madness you've got going because it feels to me like a category that has captured the imagination and the attention of marketers in the last maybe two decades or so driven by digital, but also having a kind of one foot in the customer service field and one, one foot in branding. And I'm, I'm just so excited that that CX has come to the to the fore. And my first question would be, how, how do you see it? How do you define it? Why is it so important? There are literally dozens of definitions of customer experience, which I guess is both good news and bad news. Mm. I think the easiest way to define it is it's how you make your customers feel. Mm. Oh. Just how you make them feel. And, and those feelings are driven uh, entirely by what I like to call the expectation equation. See, there oh. isn't really, there, there's no inherently good customer experience, and there's actually no inherently bad customer experience. It's all driven by the expectations. So essentially customer experience in, in popular parlance is the difference between what you think will happen and what actually occurred. Got it. I'll give you a quick example. If you bought something online and let's say it's a sweater and the sweater manufacturer says, okay, Cindy, we're going to have that to you in 72 hours. Right. If it shows up at your door in two days, you're like, wow, 
that's an incredible customer experience. If it shows up in five days, you're like, wow, that's kind of a lousy customer experience. Nothing has changed. It's the same sweater. All that's changed is the difference between what you expect and what actually occurred. So the art of customer experience is the art of understanding, meeting, and exceeding customer expectations. Hmm. Understanding, meeting, and exceeding expectations. Wow, there's a lot to unpack in that statement, Jay. I, my mind is going, um, you know, in, in loyalty, to me, this sounds very similar to what we would traditionally call loyalty, where um, customer advocacy is based on uh, reaching that kind of higher level aspirational goals of a customer and surprising, delighting them and exceeding their expectations. So it, is customer experience um, the building blocks of loyalty? Do, would you connect the dots there? Or am I going like way off on no, a tangent? No, that, no question about it, Cindy. There's, CX has two outcomes. Uh, first outcome is retention, where you don't give people a reason to defect because right. you meet those expectations. Customer experience can also create net new customers. Mm, referrals. Through, through loyalty, through referrals, through word of mouth. That's typically where you exceed expectations or you offer something experientially that the customer doesn't anticipate ahead of time, mm. which creates stories and, and sort of downstream uh, chatter, et cetera. So it actually, it's one of the nice things about customer experience in business is that it does serve both purposes. It's both revenue, um, revenue protection and new customer acquisition. There's very few things in business that actually do both. Nice, nice. But you know, the, the thing that's been so difficult for companies thinking these thoughts is that it's not just a marketing function. It requires attention, discipline, focus from all over the company and not just the company, but all the business partners and the others who are involved in touch points around your product or service and that customer. So what, what do you, how, how do we possibly execute on something like this? Yeah, it's a real challenge because when you think about this notion that customer experience is how we make our customers feel, hmm. there are dozens or hundreds of different decisions and circumstances that happen in your business every day that help dictate those expectations and your ability to meet or exceed them. Right now, a lot of people have supply chain challenges. Right. It may not be their fault at all, but the customer still doesn't have their sweater. So they're still unhappy. It doesn't matter whether it's a shipping issue or a manufacturing issue or um, any other kind of circumstances, the customer's still unhappy. So it is a very difficult um, problem to solve. And it's made more difficult by this. Most customer experience work over the last couple of decades has been primarily rooted in attitudinal change. Hmm. You've seen this, be customer focused. Well, I've been doing this for a long time, and it's pretty rare that I come across a business that isn't customer-focused, at least not, not aggressively anti-customer. Nobody's anti-customer. <laughs> so so to, to keep customer experience attitudinal doesn't really help. It doesn't really make any difference to the organization. What really matters is, is changing how you run your business. So the way I like to describe it is that to get better at customer experience, 
you must stop, start, or change some very specific elements of how you operate and interact. Stop, start, or change. Okay. And what would some of those things be? <laughs> yeah, Do come on. Tell. Give it up. <laughs> well, there's no right answer here. There's just some answers that may be right her uh, than others. The thing about customer experience is that as we just discussed, there's hundreds of things that you could do, mm. but which things make the most sense, which have the most impact. And so I've done a bunch of research on this topic. And it turns out that my customers and your customers and everybody tuning in to customers, pretty much all customers, care about three things disproportionately. They care about a lot, but three things they care about the most, almost universally. They want you to be quick. They want you to be clear. And they want you to be kind. If you can get better at quick, clear, and kind, you will be well on your way to delivering what I like to call the coveted customer experience, Mm. which is when you exceed expectations so consistently that it buys you the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, you can make some mistakes and they'll forgive you. Yeah, it's that, it's that classic uh, well of goodwill we've been talking about. Mm, for, right. That's so interesting because, Jay, so often when I talked about customer experience, it all seems to turn into customer journey, customer journey mapping. It all turns into roadmaps and touch points and, um, you know, I don't have this conversation. I've never had this conversation either with my colleagues or my clients where we talk about how does this make the customer feel? It's all about moving them along their journey and, 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 and what do we say to them when they're here and what do we do for them when they're there in that journey? And it becomes extremely tactical. And this sounds like an extremely strategic conversation. Maybe because I'm a strategist, but... <laughs> <laughs> But there you go. Founded, uh, it's one of the challenges with customer experience is that most of your customer experience sort of thought leadership is from customer experience practitioners and, and practitionerdom uh, tends to lend itself toward very specific recipes and thinking about customer interactions as a journey, I think sometimes can do more harm than good. Of course, there is a customer journey. There is a sequence of interactions that customers have with businesses for everything. But I think sometimes we put too much emphasis on the sequence and not enough emphasis on the psychology. It's like, look, do I feel happy, sad, and angry? What are, what are the emotions at, at each of these um, touch points? And, and the sequencing of them and the roadmap, I think, is best used just to make sure you don't miss obvious important ones because the inconsistency of the customer experience is one of the things that customers hate the most. And that's where that's where journey mapping and those kind of disciplines actually really help to make sure that that you're not really, really fast if somebody texts you, but you're really, really slow if somebody emails you. That that kind of inconsistency uh-huh. of application in the real world becomes frustrating very, very quickly. So that's one of the areas where we're plotting out all the touch points can be useful just to make sure that customers are having an experience that is more than ever before consistent cross-channel because 
so much of our customer interactions now occur in different places, online versus offline, in-store versus online, now in the metaverse or whatever, right? So there's all yeah. these different places that we want to interact. We want to make sure that the story is straight everywhere. Right. So what, if we as marketers can get our arms around this, get our organizations thinking this way and focusing on the psychology, like you said, and also focusing on the three quick, clear, and kind imperatives, then say we're, we're able to raise the level of positive customer experiences. And, and customers then, I mean, I'm thinking of Amazon and how everyone's you know, <laughs> measuring all the rest of us by am, their experience with Amazon. Customer expectation is going to rise over time and their demands will be bigger. And so we're going to continue to need to meet that demand. So where is this all going? Do, are, we just have to keep struggling and doing better or or what yeah yeah <laughs> that's that you got it <laughs> that's you know, it Ruth, um, <laughs> customer expectations never go backwards hmm. i've been doing this my whole entire professional career and have done lots and lots and lots of market research and i don't think i've ever literally ever seen a customer say you know i've been thinking i think it'd be fine if they just did that more slowly like nobody ever says that right, <laughs> right. So, no, it's not like all of a sudden we're going to have this epiphany and be like, yeah, you know what? It's okay. Get it to me when you want. I don't mm -hmm. care. It's all good. Uh, and, and that's why customer experience is a process, not a project. So wow. often I work with consulting clients or, or uh, other organizations and like, yeah, we're going to spend the next three quarters to work on our customer experience. I'm like, cool, but you better work on it for the three quarters after that and the three yeah. quarters after that as well. Because as soon as you catch up, customer expectations have ratcheted up again. And there's an interesting stat that says that 73% of customers change their expectations for all other businesses based on an experience with any given business. Wow. So the Amazon effect is, is a great example of that, right? I can one click, one click, it shows up my house. Well, then I go to buy something else and I've got to go through seven clicks to buy something. Well, what's the problem? Why can Amazon do it and you can't do it? Or Uber, the Uber effect, right? When Uber first right. came out, it was like a magic trick. Now I can click a button on my phone and anything will show up. I can order a rocket ship or drugs or like what doesn't even matter. It's like a whole new world, right? Everything Drones delivering it to your door <laughs> It's crazy, right? Yeah. So, um, it, the, you know when you have kids and and you mark their height in the door jam with pencil? Yes. And that's a great practice because you don't really notice your children getting taller because you see them all the time. But when you look backwards, you're like, wow, two years ago, the pencil mark was only here. Customer experience and customer expectations works the exact same way. Wow. We, in the moment, we don't realize how much the expectations have ratcheted up until it does take five days to get your sweater. And then you're like, this is unconscionable. Look, I'm old enough to remember getting a sweater in five days was amazing. You would have shouted from right. the rooftops how fast you right. got the sweater. And now you're totally unhappy about it. And I don't want to make this all about speed. There's a lot of other dimensions yeah. to customer experience, but I think it's the easiest one to use as the metaphor. Um, you know, yes, it's a total bummer, Ruth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as soon as you think you've got it lit. <laughs> right. 
So, so and marketing is really important because marketing as a discipline is not good at this kind of thinking. Hmm. Oh, who is? So who, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the problem, right? <laughs> you know, so marketing is going to run customer experience. This is settled doctrine. The yeah. new Salesforce research just came out last month or last quarter, I think, uh, said that globally, I believe it was 80% of businesses, uh, the marketing department is responsible for customer experience. Right. Eight out of 10. So it, you know, there was a conversation for many years, like who's going to run customer experience? The answer is marketing, right? Not in every case, but largely the answer is marketing. It's settled. But marketing is trained to create awareness and, and extract revenue. This idea of using operational changes to to maintain revenue and retention. It's just a, it's a full funnel way of thinking that most marketers haven't really been exposed to. So to me, that's the interesting friction point right now is, is marketing and customer experience converging, which has huge opportunities, but, but is also gonna be a little ungainly for a bit. So you're, do you have some recommendations for how we need to reorganize to attack this or to keep up with this? I mean, so some of it is just math, Ruth, is, you know, you are clearly familiar with the what gets measured gets done principle. Very, very true in this circumstance as well. We say, okay, marketing, you're in charge of the totality of the customer experience, yet how are most marketers measured? Leads, awareness, and sales. Yep. Which are kind of customer experience, but not as much, right? No. So if we're going to say you're responsible for the whole customer relationship, then we have to elevate some metrics like retention, lifetime value, et cetera, um, to, to be peer with things like net new revenue uh, acquisition. And a lot of organizations, that's just not simply the case. Mm. Right. You know, Jade, when you talk about uh, the expectations always changing and incrementally evolving as we evolve, if you look in your crystal ball short term over the horizon, what are some indications that you're seeing of uh, customer expectations that you see are, are changing that we better watch out for that maybe we don't recognize have already mm. infiltrated our consumer expectations? Great question, Cindy. Thank you. I, it's not so much in this moment of time, in my estimation, a what else can we add that customers demand? It's what should we stop doing that customers hate? Uh -huh. so for example, um, customers more than ever are irked by faux personalization <laughs> or... or hey, if you bought this knife, you're also going to want popcorn. It's like, what are you talking about? This doesn't even make any sense, right? <laughs> right. And, and companies know that customers, quote, unquote, prefer personalization. And, and so they just say, well, first name, we've personalized. It's like, no, I want to be treated like a customer segment of one. And the data largely exists, especially augmented with artificial intelligence in machine learning to make that kind of marketing possible. Look, we've been talking about the promise of one-to-one -one marketing for 50 years. Right. It actually exists today. You just have to go make it happen in your organization. And customers are sick of being played games with, right? It's like, if look, if you want to send me something that you think I'm going to like, that's fine, but it needs to be tuned to my preferences. So I think eliminating the sort of lazy, flabby, let's send it out to everybody batch and blast marketing is probably um, the thing I would, I would uh, point to first. Fantastic. 
Cindy, aren't we lucky to have had this visionary (laughs) review with Jay? Thank you, Jay, so much. Thank you. And we want to make sure that our listeners subscribe to your uh, newsletter and get that tequila invite next time (laughs) when we have the opportunity. (laughs) Thank you, Jay, for joining us. Bearfacts.com. Tune on in. Uh, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for the time. I really enjoyed being on the show. It's a a terrific program. And uh, I love how much homework uh, that you do. Thanks. Oh, thank you, Jay. See you next time. Cindy, wasn't it great to have Jay Bear with us? He's such a charming and knowledgeable guy and so fluid in his conversation. And we were so lucky, even though sadly it was after the recording stopped at our 20 minutes that we had a chance to ask him one additional question. And we learned a really cool thing from him that I think neither you nor I had heard of before, this idea of a customer effort score, which which he thinks is a worthy replacement or kind of uh, new generation of Frederick Reichheld's famous net promoter score. Mm -hmm. And the idea was, um, how difficult is it or was it to get what you wanted from our business, which is so different from how likely are you to recommend us to your friends and colleagues, which is the, the net promoter score question. And um, so he's really trying to get to who's easiest to work with, which is Mm -hmm. really consistent with what he was talking about that we're uh, we're maybe measuring the wrong things here when we're thinking about customer experience. It's about emotions and psychology less than the kinds of actions that we've, you know, did you buy or did you return or... Did you tell your friends? It's more um, embedded in the human experience in the head (laughs) and the heart. Yes. And, you know, we've been seeing so much about the frictionless and the touchless economy and how this is something that we as consumers have embraced and seen as meaning you're easier to do business with. So, you know, are you easy to work with? It was there less effort, was there less friction in it, um, is now a serious measure of uh, how I want to uh, do business with you. Um, And you touch on that whole concept of when we asked him, how do you define customer experience? And he said, it's how you make a customer feel right? That it's the art of understanding, meeting, and exceeding expectations of how they feel about it, not what we would have necessarily considered the milestones you said, you know, they raised their hand, they bought, they did a lead. It was really interesting for him to elevate what that definition of customer experience is for us. Mm, We've got to get Nancy Harthut in here to connect how (laughs) our marketing communications can relate to driving those feelings versus trying 
to very hard drive actions. I, I think this is a, a breakthrough right. kind of thinking. And but, you know, hmm. he said feeling how we make a customer feel, but then he did quantify it really well for us. I mean, it wasn't yeah. touchy feely that I mean, he's after all measurable mark. He, he, he really did talk about metrics and measurement, right? He said, you know, the imperative is quick, clear and kind. Mm. You know, he, he did, he did define it beyond just how do you feel in, in loose terms, don't you think? Her? Yeah. And wasn't it neat that to think that delivering on quick, clear, and kind is really, he, he said, this is a process, not a project, which means we have to be organized and incented and trained to consider every day these activities and how we're going to deliver on the promise. And create the feelings that it's never going to end. And as you like to like to say, Cindy, a process is something that you can set up metrics around and improvements. And right. didn't you love the door jam, the child's <laughs> height on the door jam? What did you what, what did you think about that? Well, you know, that was really interesting because so often change occurs around us and we are just not even aware that it's happening. And so I really liked his um, use of that, you know, the, the, the measurement ruler, because there can be macro changes that are happening around us that are aha, obviously the pandemic being something that we clearly know changed our behavior, our assumptions and our expectations as consumers. And there, there can be these micro small things we don't even realize that are making big changes in the way our customers and consumers expectations are. And we didn't even see it coming. And it was because it was so obvious and, and happening kind of organically. So I love the fact that that measurement, that constant evolution of measurement, which which to me being the, you know, the quant gal here immediately went to the importance of uh, research and marketing research, always informing what's going on in the marketplace at all times. Like we can't be staring at our navel all the time. We, we must always be looking outward. So what, so what, what's happening? Because we can fall into this consensus bias that we think we're doing mm. everything great when in fact we may not be meeting those expectations. Plus we need to be focused on some different metrics and the, the mm. ones he mentioned, lifetime value, retention, these are actually the metrics that direct marketers have focused on forever. So that was quite satisfying. Um, and the corollary there, I, I was really kind of thrilled that he said that it's become clear that marketing, the marketing function has to own customer experience because we, we all know this is involving everyone in the company and who's gonna be in charge. Is there a chief customer experience off, officer that actually didn't, didn't come up? But if marketing is gonna own it, then that gives marketing a much broader role in the firm than in some companies 
where it's relegated to, oh, how many leads did you generate? And what kind of brand awareness um, have have you developed? And so um, that, of course, leads us to one of his last really exciting points that we've got to add the question, what should we stop doing? that customers hate. (laughs) Oh, man. Yes. Well, and, you know, do you remember just our recent conversation with Steve and you, and he was saying how we have to stop uh, annoying our customers with irrelevant personalization, making assumptions that are just, you know, horrible based on, you know, bad data, bad models, poor analytics, or just lazy machine learning. Mm. Right. And and this was the same thing again. I loved it when he said, uh, you know, lazy, you know, personalization. This is going to be another theme for 2022, I think, Cindy, Come, coming up. Yeah, yeah, I think that we got so many exceptional nuggets um, from Jay. And, and I think, you know, it'll be for us to summarize what we think our top three takeaways are, Ruth, what would you say? Well, the first one is very clear. The idea that we should focus on, have we we made our customers feel good about us? How have we made our customers feel? This is a a direction that I don't think our, our typical colleague not to mention ourselves is right. really, this is not really our bailiwick. We've been really, did I get him to, you know, d- did I get him to buy? Did I get him to raise his hand um, or her hand and turn into a lead? Um, feelings is not necessarily where we've been been focusing. So I, 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 I'm glad to have ours and our listeners' minds open to that. Yes, that is definitely a new and different way uh, for us to look at it, right? And the outcomes being retention, he talked about, and net new customers. So he did tie them that how we make our customer feel does lead to measurable outcomes. Um, And we know that, like we've seen in a recent study, that um, Brands that prioritize CX are 60% more profitable than their competitors. So there is a profit or, or, or a true financial metric being tied to this. Uh, the second one I, I, I was a, I also thought you, you touched on here was it's a process, not a project. But within that, Mm -hmm. if you're thinking how your customer feels at a higher strategic level, the processes support the way in which we can um, create consistency in the delivery of our message, right? The customer journey mapping and road mapping and these processes that we put in place that we're very good at at a tactical level need to support the higher level, which is the consistent messaging and the clear, quick delivery here, here. of the promise. So maybe the third is this idea that marketing is being given the mandate to execute mm-hmm. customer experience. This is a challenge. It's also a kind of vote of confidence in, in marketing and um, gives us a, a goal that we can feel proud of and also inspired by. And let's not forget this 
customer effort score idea that we've just learned about today for the first time. So Cindy, let's go dig into this a little bit more and um, add it to our, our list of important marketing topics. I think this is a big one for us looking over the horizon, Ruth, for here, an, here. another conversation on another day. Yeah. Thanks, Cindy. Great session. You've been listening to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenglass. Please be sure to visit go.wvu.edu slash mctoday to view our upcoming conversations, listen to previous discussions, and subscribe to receive updates.